Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Subnet Show. I'm your host, Gabriel Cardona. I'm flying it solo tonight. Connor's not here. He'll be joining us for the next um, episode. We have with us a very special guest tonight. We have Itamar Carvalho. Sorry if I uh, didn't pronounce that too correctly. I, I apologize. Um, he is no the, worries. Thank you, sir. He's the co-founder, president, and lead developer of Avme. Avme is one a very interesting uh, and exciting project on Avalanche. It's been getting a lot of love from the community that is basically, it's like a suite of um, products, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, but it consists of a wallet. And then there's also um, antivirus and malware detection. And then there might even be a web portal and some staking. There's probably even more than that. Their team is absolutely um going at a million miles an hour and every time we talk to them they're making a ton of progress but anyway welcome to the subnet show Ita. thank you for jumping on here with me thank you for the invite uh, like i love talking about avmi so it is very very warming when people are interested about it yeah, there's no question. I get a lot of inbound tweets relatively, right? There's always just a ton of inbound messages coming at me. And it's interesting what signals kind of emerge from all that noise. And what I do get is that if I do not mention or retweet you or whatever, like you or something in my social media stream for an amount of time, I will have people ping me and say, hey, what's up? You haven't mentioned Avme in a while. So for what it's worth, you guys are on people's mind and people are very interested in what you're doing. Um, before we get there, there's a lot to talk about there, but sort of the typical pattern with uh, the subnet show is we kind of like to get a sense of the of the people who are building our community and like what their crypto journey is and what their crypto vision is. So I usually ask people kind of the same suite of questions in the beginning just to get a sense of who they are. So before we even talk about Avme, uh, let's talk briefly about your sort of uh, journey to become the co-founder and president and lead developer of Avme. Let's kind of go back to the beginning. Uh, do you remember what the first suite of software or app or, you know, what was the first thing that got you um, hooked on software? Well, the first thing, the, the first time that I got in crypto was back in 2013. I got in crypto because one of my friends uh, told me about like a decentralized uh, a money protocol. Like when I, I was a kid, I, I always asked my teachers, Where's the company, the money comes from? Sure. How how do the banks, how people actually get the money? I never understand how the government prints money and gets money. When I saw the Bitcoin <laughs> protocol yeah. and I saw how the thing was completely decentralized and how the money was distributed, I was simply shocked. Mm -hmm. I was firstly shocked. And the second thing that came came in on my mind was like. I need to, to, to I need to mine this. Mm -hmm. So I put my my old GPU to to mine Bitcoin. I got nothing mm -hmm. because back back uh, that time was like it was already being run by Act, uh, Asics. Yeah. yeah. So after the 2013, I lose interest. But in 2016, I got back and I started digging altcoins. I started digging like recently launched altcoins for mine, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and I I started to see a pattern. Like every altcoin that is launched, always like the same UI of the wallet. So I I started questioning myself how these people are creating uh, this uh, this 
these new coins. And after that, I started digging into the source code of Bitcoin forks. And the, the, it, is, it is how I got started with programming. I started learning programming because of Bitcoin and also of other altcoins. I wanted to learn how it worked. I wanted to learn how to I could replicate and how I could improve op, um, over it. So I have created uh, back in, uh, I believe 2017, a school project that was a coin. It was called Arelium. And I'm, I maintained this project uh, from 2017 to 2021, because what happened, the people that actually had the, these coins, the Arelium coins, was swapped to the FME token. So Marcus, that is our, our co-founder, mm -hmm. was someone that I meet because of this uh, iron coin that I have created. Because I, one of the things that I made with iron was creating a new proof of work algorithm. So it was only CPU mineable. I, I created it and implemented it on my own coin. And I mean markers because markers was running a pool back then. And I, I needed someone to test if it was working with the, uh, the pool. I'm not sure if you know the YIMP pool. The what pool? WIMP. I don't think so. Uh, let me type here. Wimp. Yeah, hold on. There's a lot to unpack there. So let's put on the brakes. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's, I'm going to see what I can unwind from my memory there because there was a lot. Um, so you literally found out about Bitcoin in 2013, became disinterested, found out about it again in all coins in 2016, and that was your catalyst to start learning to program, literally? Yes, wow. it was my so, catalyst. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Hold on, I want to unpack a few things. So that's true. So I caught that. That's pretty cool. You hear a lot of people, you know, crypto changed my life radically. Crypto changes people's lives. Oh. Crypto changed my life. Yeah, it's such a rat. There's so many paradigms, right? It's like this cornucopia of paradigms. These paradigm shifts just keep coming out, and there's like so the the only reason that I'm married uh, right now is it, it, it is because of crypto. <laughs> sure, I feel you. Yeah, there, there's so many paradigms that come out of this cornucopia, and there's it's like a multifaceted jewel. There's many ways for your mind to approach it. That's why it turns on so many people. But I don't know of many people who picked up the art of programming from directly wanting to interface. So that's kind of cool. So then you said you had checked out forks of the Bitcoin, apparently, code base. This is 16. Yes. So Ethereum existed at this time. So a couple kind of questions there. Were you just interested in peer-to-peer -peer payments and Bitcoin derivatives, or were you aware of Ethereum and smart contracts? And then the, uh, second, hold on, the, second, part, the second part being, you said you created your own coin that had a novel proof-of-work algorithm. Was that a clone of Bitcoin as well? Go. Yes, it was a fork of Bitcoin. Okay, so it was the, other one, the other one being, were you aware of smart contracts, or were you just like into Bitcoin and peer-to-peer -peer payments? Yes, I was mostly on Bitcoin, not to smart contracts. Sure. Yeah, I got it. That's an entirely new paradigm, right? And peer-to-peer -peer payments is something that's still not totally popped off yet. Um, we need it a little bit less today. We need it sort of by default because the world needs to be censorship resistant by default. And we really do need a peer-to-peer -peer cash. Yes. But the actual utility that it provides for us in a practical sense, we need less now in 2021, obviously, than we did in 2008. 
whenever Bitcoin popped off at the beginning because now there wasn't a lot of mobile services then and banks hadn't yet caught on to making like people to people payments nice and frictionless. Now there's so much more infrastructure and the financial system has had time to build services that at least fulfill the functionality if not the ideal of this peer-to-peer payment network that it's less of a need sort of um, in a practical sense now but it's still needed in a very real sense because the world just needs to be censorship resistant exactly so yeah i think you understand what i'm saying okay so then the name of your coin was what i are you I, i'm sorry i'm gonna butcher that i can't even understand it what language <laughs> is that I it is, it is like English. I I, oh, I hear him. I see you've got you've got to paste it here. I apologize. I hear him. Gotcha. And then the yeah, okay, cool. So then you developed I hear him. It was a fork of Bitcoin. And then the way you met Marcus, Marcus is one of the co-founders of Avme, another absolute incredibly sharp dude. I've met a couple of times. Um, the way you met Marcus is what he was running Yepool, and then that mined uh, Irium. Yes, it was like when I was deploying Irium. Uh, I needed someone with uh, experience over pool, pool mining that could test with me the, the my new CPU algorithm. So I made him. What was novel about it? What was novel about the algorithm? Uh, there was nothing novel about the algorithm. Oh, it was CPU. Algorithm. It was like a CPU you could mine on your CPU. Yes, it was a very heavy algorithm. So it was like only CPU. But Okay, I got back you. then. And then, so you met Marcus, who was running Yetpool, and then ultimately you said that what um, people can reclaim uh, Arium for Avme now. Uh, they were able to reclaim. Uh, we kept the swap time frame open for two months, and cool. it is now closed. So uh, people that was interested in Arium and was invested in Arium or mined Arium back then was able to take advantage of this two months time frame to swap to the Avami token. What what did that process look like if you were coming from a Bitcoin fork into I don't get apparently a C chain on Avalanche or what how did you do that? So it is centralized. It's completely this uh, swap has had to be completely completely centralized. So what I did sure, that's fair enough. There's not there's not like there's something wrong with that. I got you. So how I did how I did it to actually proof the, the the person had the money, so I asked them to give them the private keys of the Aragon wallet, mm-hmm. so I could check the the balance of their address and then sign a message yeah. with the private key, so I can store it. And if people are interested, I can uh, give them out the document that I have created with uh, the, the the address, the balance, the uh, uh, which address on Avalanche was received and the sign-in message so people can check that it is valid. Mm-hmm, got it. So I say you understand. Did a lot of people take care of that or take advantage of that? Uh, not, no, not a lot of people because some people lose interest over time. Sure, and I don't know how big IRM was, but um, okay, gotcha. So then how long, if you discovered Bitcoin in 13 and then altcoins in 16, were you learning to code then or was 16 your catalyst to pick up code? Uh, in se- uh, 17 was my catalyst to pick up uh, over code. And the reason that I like uh, uh, to code in C++ and our wallet was made in C++ mm-hmm. is because Bitcoin was made in C++ and I learned programming from there. 
Sure, fair enough. Have you checked out other competing languages like Go or Rust? Not even from, a, um, I'm not even saying any of them are better. I'm just wondering, like our, our tech stack is Golang Central. I myself really like Rust. Have you played around with either of those? Uh, a little bit. I, I, I like the proposal of them, but I, I prefer C++ because it was like my mother language. Yeah, I feel you. I got you. Yeah, I still type. I still prefer TypeScript because it's like JavaScript and it's a better version of JavaScript. And that's my mother language as well. I can do Go. I can do, you know, Python. I can do Ruby, a bunch of different languages, but I think in TypeScript. So I understand where you're coming from. Um, I, I think it's C++. Yeah, that's cool. There's no, C++ is a very powerful language, obviously, if not like yes. the most powerful. Um, it's very, from what I understand, cumbersome and complex, and you definitely have to know what you're doing. You know, that's interesting that that's your core language. Like, like, uh, yeah. like uh, one of the things uh, from C++, actually, the C++ creator say that, is that C++ make it, it hard, it is hard to like hurt us yourself. But when you do, you are shooting yourself in the legs. <laughs> sure. Is that Bjorn something? Is that the creator? Yes. Yeah, he's a champion. I, I love that dude. I, Watch him giving him give talks. He's he's amazing. I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, Bjorn Strump something. I'm sorry, I'm butchering it as well, but I think it's something like that. Absolute genius, wizard, wizard, wizard level dude. Great videos to go watch him talk. He's got a very dry sense of humor, right? He comes off like a super um laid back professor but his sense of humor is super dry he'll drop it in there the whole time he's giving presentations it's a very very cool personality so then um 2017 you start learning c plus uh did you do any other startups or what was your uh work experience and your dev experience before you started the avme ecosystem like uh i was in um I was invited to be a smart contract developer over a project called uh, Global Funeral Care, but the project uh, didn't go very well. So I actually never did uh, work for them, wow. but I keep uh, like studying and practicing uh, like I both uh, guy and C++ book. Let me see if I can get it here. Each other. Not, it's all good. It's like it's a book like this size, and the way that it, the way that it teaches you, it is awesome. I really like it. Got it. Okay, cool. So then, walk me into how Avne came into being. The inspiration, the foundation of the team, the first lines of code. What was that journey like? Yeah. So like. I was looking with Marcus to solve a problem that uh, exists on the current market and we wanted to solve the, it. So we like discussed for about one year before deciding uh, what kind of problem we, we could tackle into. And we found out that the decentralization of like uh, the security of cybersecurity programs is um, uh, it is a flaw that could be attacked through uh, blockchain paradigms. Mm -hmm. So we came uh, like with this idea back uh, of the end of last year and it started like uh, uh, developing it back in December. 
Marcus is developing the security, uh, is developing the start of the malware protection. And I have started developing the wallet, which is the foundation to the, the security suite tools, because we, we want to uh, have everything uh, like decentralized and powered, powered by the blockchain. How you were able to do that with a wallet? Because the wallet is a way to communicate with the blockchain. So we decided to start creating our foundations and I have started creating the wallet back in December of the last year. So it sounds like, I didn't catch the year, I apologize, but it sounds like you and Marcus were brainstorming on creating a project. What year did you say that was, 2019? Like 2018, 2019, yes. And you just said like you guys realize that there's security problems in the blockchain, if I understood, if I can simplify it. So not in the blockchain security, uh, like the the cybersecurity, like an antivirus, like your Avast, Kaspersky, or for example, Last LastPass or Dashlane. Have you used this before? Mm-hmm. Of course, yes. The, the thing is, it's completely centralized. It's closed source. You never know what the company is doing. You never know what the software is doing with your computer. You don't know why the uh, for one of one of the things that I uh, tough when I was a kid, like when you download something that is malware from the internet and the antivirus uh, pops up, it don't give you a reason why that was targeted was a malware. Mm-hmm. So the user don't have the clarity from this kind of source. So the, uh, these companies, besides that, are, are uh, aimed for profit. Mm-hmm. And like Avast, for example, was cough selling user browser data to a third party. Sure. So you see where the, uh, the problem is and you see how we're looking to solve it. Sure, absolutely. So um, I can imagine, you know, many ways in which the blockchain could potentially disintermediate existing malware and, you know, virus detection systems. I'm wondering from what sort of perspective did you guys approach it? Is it doing application malware detection? Like, is it doing operating? The reason, the reason to have the blockchain is to have um, a a framework of of consensus. Mm -hmm. And besides that, a form of payment. Like you are able to pay for the services and uh, people can actually, for example, set up a node that will analyze malware or be a VPN provider and receive payments for for that. So the blockchain also provides a method of payment. So then is it something like Dropbox or something where I just have a folder and I drop stuff into it and I say, detect if there's malware on this and it uploads it to the cloud that farms it out to a bunch of different Avmain nodes that are then doing their thing. And then they all reach consensus. If eight out of 10 of them say that it's green, then you write back it's green or something like that. Is that an oversimplification or does that make sense? Yes, it is exactly like that. You just simplified how it is going to work in the future. Okay, got it. So the reason to have the blockchain is to have this consensus mechanism, but also be able to charge for the services and to reward 
the nodes that are dedicating the computer power to the network. Okay, got it. And then is, I think in the past we had potentially talked about you even being able to leverage a subnet in a virtual machine because a virtual machine allowed you better expressivity than a smart contract, for example. Can you expand on that idea? So the reason that we need the subnet is because this kind of services, the way I'm designing the protocol in order to be completely decentralized, you need to have a fast blockchain. Mm-hmm. You need to have a, a, a reach of a fast consensus. Otherwise, the, the whole protocol will be bottleneck. And you, we want to be able to like uh, target a zero-day malware. Mm-hmm. So you need to be fast. And there is, there is only two ways to do that. Through your own blockchain, where you have to set up everything you have to maintain everything or through uh, your own avalanche subnet. So that is this, this is the main reason that we have picked avalanche to build upon it because the, the amount of freedom you guys are giving for us developers to build our own subnets with our own rules is like mind blowing. There's nothing like that in the crypto market right now. It is... When I, I started digging it into the code, like I, I, I'm not like very good in, with, with Go, but I can understand a little bit. Sure, sure. When I was digging through the code and how it works, the amount of freedom you guys are giving to us is insane. Yeah, we have a really cool API where developers can basically launch their own blockchains as virtual machines. And you can basically get networking consensus and data um, structures out of the box, right? You don't have to. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's like a really big leap forward. And so whenever you're setting up these subnets, they can be completely permissionless or permissions. So, so what he's saying is they can create their own blockchain, which is incredibly highly performant and it can be super computing intensive. And then they can create their own private subnet and say, in order to join our subnet, your hardware has to meet these certain hardware requirements because we're running a very powerful um, network because we're doing all of this malware detection and we have to have uh, stuff be uploaded and downloaded us from us very quick. And we've got to be able to turn over stuff very quick. And in order to do that, we have payments baked into the system, right? And you can issue your own assets to use. So um, I totally see the vision. And then I know there's other parts of the ecosystem as well. There's a wallet, there's a web portal, there's staking. Flesh out some of the other components for me. So the wallet currently is a lighter, safer, and faster alternative to MetaMask. The reason for that is on the safer side, everything is kept encrypted uh, until the time you really need it. So if you are doing a transaction, it will always require a password because the private keys are stored uh, encrypted and only when you are signing transaction they are decrypted to sign it and send to the network the reason for being lighter is because of the language we are using c++ allows you to build very lightweight applications and the reason what was the other I forgot, sorry. Like, yeah, so whenever you say the Foster. wallet, yeah, the thing, the thing I've been wondering, I want to wrap my mind around is like, 
today MetaMask is integrated into the browser, right? So when I'm creating yes. part of the web UX, but, but the Ave wallet is not, right? So there's a fundamental difference in user experience, is there not? Yes, it is a desktop wallet. It is a, a program that you install in your computer. Right, so, so how, does it, how does it compete with MetaMask in that regard? There's no Web3 component, is that correct? So the thing is, we developed a plugin that will act like MetaMask and will proxy connections between the website and the browser wall, uh, and the desktop wallet. So what happens? You are now able to use your desktop wallet with any website currently under Avalanche because we only, our wallet is only supporting Avalanche for now. We'll be supporting other chains in the future, but our focus right now is on Avalanche. Sure. So the browser plugin, what actually what is actually doing? It is mimicking uh, MetaMask. So developers like uh, Pangolin, Tradejo, etc., don't have to uh, do special conditions to integrate our, our wallet. Mm -hmm. And besides that, it is as I say, the proxy the connections between the website and the desktop wallet. So you keep the security that and the lightness and the fastness that our desktop wallet provides, but you are able to use with any website under the Avalanche chain. What does that interface look like from a software perspective? Are you using the actual Web3 API or do you have some custom thing? How do I fire off transactions and get balances and do all that stuff in the web? Uh, can you repeat the question? Yeah, I'm wondering, like, today I understand how to write Web3 apps. I'm not sure if my mic here is working or if my mic there is working, because I had this on mute <laughs> and you were still able to hear I, I think it's the other one. Yeah, I think it's the one on the computer. So um, my question is simply this, and if you don't know the answer, that's fine. Maybe you're not the guy who wrote the code. But today I know how to write a Web3 smart contract app, right, to interface with MetaMask and the Avalanche or Ethereum blockchains. What does the interface look like for me to interact between a web page and the Avme wallet? Is it the Web3 API or is there, what is the actual code I write to make a click of a button on a web browser file for transaction? So you, if you are using our plugin, it's the same as MetaMask. Okay. If you want to communicate directly through the wallet, you need to open a web, a web socket to our wallet and use uh, the Johnson Web RPC API of Ethereum. Okay. So it is mostly the same as, as, as Web3. You can point this WebSocket as the provider. It yeah. will work. Okay, I understand, cool. And then what about the web portal? What is that? So the web portal that we are building is, uh, is something like uh, VirusTotal. So you will be able to, uh, upload uh, files and these files will be analyzed through the decentralized network and report back to you with full logs. Like not only if something is a malware or not, it will tell exactly what this program is doing inside or, or nodes, what it's doing, why it was targeted as malware. So it will give the reason for you is that what's needed to, I'm still trying to picture what the user experience looks like from a super high level when your tech's all built. I understand you guys are still building it, but that's why I come back to the Dropbox idea. What is the actual user experience for a person who has a computer who wants to get a piece of uh, software detected? How do they get it onto your network? Through this web portal or is that, is that the way it works? 
So you will be able to do through the web, or you'll be able to do through our antivirus program because the thing is the antivirus will be connected to uh, the database that is being created by the nodes. And this database is created by users uploading malware to the network. Mm -hmm. So they use the web portal? That's Because I was picturing they, another, another thing could be like Dropbox, right? There's a folder I drag. Yes. Or there are going to be different ways to do it. Are you, you guys going to have an API that other people can build their own front ends for you? The other what? Uh, like if somebody wanted to build their own front end, are you going to have like an API or something? Is it going to be open? Everything is done through smart contracts. So you are able to build over them. So it, it, everything is open source and decentralized. So it is not required to use our own uh, web portal or our own antivirus. We will be able to uh, build your own because the code is public. The, uh, the, the nodes are decentralized. Everything is open for the developers to build over it. Do you have any like web services or anything like that? What? Like we have, like we have our API, let's say api.avox.network. Do you have any web oh. services? Uh, currently it is on a pre-alpha state, mm -hmm. but we are building it. Okay, gotcha. And then um, what about I'm going to bring up your web page. Staking, I know, was another point that was on there. I think they're missing a couple of points. We got the Avme suite, security suite, antivirus engine, web portal, endpoint security, and staking. So um, the Avme suite, it says Avme provides an all-in-one application for your comfort and convenience. Is this the wallet? No. So the thing is, the Avme uh, project is not, it's not only the wallet. It is a completely decentralized security suite. So antivirus, VPN, password manager, cloud storage, and others. So we'll be able to provide the end user with all, with all of the services. Our goal is to have the antivirus free, and these other services are going to be paid. I see. Yeah, um, I like LastPass and OnePass. Yeah, all of this stuff is super critical. And um, it's a good idea that it doesn't need to be centralized behind one service. Um, there always is the question of if there's like a breakdown, how can I sort yes, of- Yes, uh, exactly. I, I, I personally use LastPass and I'm, I like designed the pro this protocol as fast as I can to deploy. Firstly, the, the first, probably the first services that we are going to deploy, it will be the VPN, the, uh, then the password manager and then the cold storage, because I want to take advantage of a completely trustless uh, services. Like for example, not VPN, the markets, like your, your ISP will not spy or target uh, your network anymore, correct? Mm -hmm. But you're not sure if not VPN is looking to your traffic when you are using their services. Sure. Like the terms of the term of services says that they're not logging anything, but you can't you can't be sure if it's not uh, completely completely open. Mm -hmm. Another thing, LastPass, for example, you store your passwords there. You are not sure if it's their service have a backdoor. Mm -hmm. You don't know that. How you can trust? A company mm -hmm. like the, there is third parties audits the made to the company, but then you have to trust the third parties. With Avmi, the only thing that you be uh, you 
you have to trust is the code. So the way I'm designing the protocol for, for example, the password manager is that everything is kept encrypted under your password before it is uploaded to the cloud. So it is stored there. So we will be using a pretty strong encrypt, uh, a pretty strong encryption algorithm. So the nodes that are storing your passwords cannot like crack into it. And you will be able to take advantage of this trustless network because the only thing that you need to trust is the encrypted algorithm that is, has been tested for years on end. How are you going to be storing the passwords? Is it just in like a relational database or is there something more advanced than that? Are you using something like Filecoin or IPFS? What do you use for a cloud data store? So the nodes will be storing the files. Sure, but I mean, are they just going to do it in like a relational database or are they going to be doing something more advanced? Do you know, or has that not been decided? Uh, not been decided yet. Sure, fair enough. Okay, cool. I think I got a good picture of the ecosystem. Um, so you guys also had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, like a token sale. Is there's an Avme token? Is that correct? Yes, there is an Avme token that will be used for both paying for the services mm -hmm. and awarding the nodes that are dedicating uh, computer power to the network. Sure, absolutely. Uh, did you guys do a token sale, or did you raise capital in any way? No. We haven't done any kind of peace sale, private sale, nothing. We are planning for doing something and in one to two months, and but I cannot tell much about it. It, it will be very exciting because I, I don't want to spoil the surprise. <laughs> gotcha. So today I can what? Go to Pangolin and stake... How do I get Avme? Can I buy it on a DEX or can I? It's, there's user rewards. So I can what stake Avme and get some as a yield farm? Yes. The reason there's uh, liquidity mining deployed under the Avme token, the reason that we made that is to incentivize the early investors why the protocol is being developed. Mm -hmm. So we were able to lock both AVAX and Avme tokens into Pangolin liquidity and then receive AVME through our staking contract. Gotcha. Cool. Um, and then is there anything else about the token sale? Do you guys have, I see there's like a developer fund, initial development funds, marketing airdrops, swap, uh, user rewards. So, so the thing is, when we deployed the token, we have uh, we created uh, 2 million on the initial supply. 100,000 of this 2 million was reserved as a treasury for uh, development. There was no team, there is no team like, no team part, nothing. Everything is for the AVME development. Mm -hmm. From this one, one, 1,900,000, uh, it was allocated for the swap. So the thing is, only like 1 million AVME tokens was swapped. So what happens with the remaining uh, what nine, swap, Swapped with what? Uh, from the uh, converting your old area tokens to the AVME token. What did you do with the leftovers? Just keep them as AVME? 
for people. Yes. Who so what happened with the leftovers of these tokens? They were locked. They were like splitted and locked for two years. And then they're what? Just going back to the main treasury? Yes. Gotcha. So unclaimed tokens will just be reclaimed basically by the treasury. Yes. So it is locked for two years. And and every month uh, there is an unlock of uh, X amount of enemy tokens. I can send you the link of uh, Trust Swap and after this call if you are interested. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I think I understand. I got a big high level picture. So um, how big is your team? And why don't you give a shout out to some of the people on your team? So currently we have like six or seven people on our team. Uh, you have me as the lead developer and president. You have Marcus as developer of the security suite. You have uh, uh, Gian that is working with me in, in the desktop wallet. You have Gabriel, not Gabriel Cardona, <laughs> that's working on the mobile wallet. You have Alessandro that's working in marketing and you have Natalia that's working with design. So that's a big team as um, primarily in what part of the world? You don't have to give me any details, but like what continents are you guys located on? Uh, Marcus is currently on Romania. Uh -huh. Me, Gabriel and Gian is from Brazil. Cool. And if I'm correct, Natalia and Alessandro are from Venezuela. Awesome. Great. I've been to Caracas. It's an amazing place. My family is from Bogota. Um, yeah, very cool, man. So um, I think I get a high-level picture. We talked about your, your, your journey. We talked about Avme and how you brought your team together and then what all the different products are and sort of the... Um, the token cell and then like i mentioned your team what how does the roadmap look um, this is a very ambitious project even with the 10 people or so that you just mentioned i know how it is to build networks um, this stuff is incredibly complex people who don't build anything um, don't really appreciate just how many moving pieces there are in a professional grade like, software suite so um to like, something like this what do you envision so one of the things that I would like to point out, as you said, building decentralized protocols is a, a hard task because there are so many little flaws that can lead to uh, giant exploits within the system. Mm -hmm. So like I'm designing the protocol, trying to cover all these flaws and the way that I'm designing it, it is, and, and is, is it is in a generic way, so we're able to expand to other services besides the ones that, that I have explained. Yeah, so I think you mentioned something about that earlier. I wanted to tease that out a bit. So with regards to Avalanche, of course, we have Avalanche consensus and Snowman consensus and Snowman++, and we're just exploring Frosty consensus. And so then we have this consensus engine. We have this API. It's available over Go and over gRPC, over many different languages. And then people can leverage this protocol in order to build their own L1 blockchains and uh, get you know, all these benefits. 
when you say you're developing your own protocol that you're hoping other people can leverage, is that what you envision? Like APIs that developers can use? Or are you talking about SDKs? Or are you talking about white papers? What exactly do you envision? Yes, I believe the way that I'm developing this protocol, uh, all the developers will be able to take advantage of the of the this code to build other kinds of protocols over it. So for example, we are building a security service. We're building uh, something that requires uh, decentralized computing. Mm -hmm. and, and people will be able to take advantage of the code and the protocol that we are developing. So they can build all the kind of services that require uh, computer power. I see. And do you envision like this being over SDKs or will people be writing apps for your wallet? What exactly would that look like? I believe that it will be like an SDKs, but like people will be able to fork the way our protocol works mm -hmm. and adapt, adapt it to their necessities. I see. Okay. All right, man. Well, I think I got the full picture. Um, I appreciate your time. So let's see, uh, is there anything else you kind of want to bring a highlight to while you're here? Anybody else you want to give a shout out to? Any other projects, any other cool stuff? What are you thinking? One of the things I would like to shout out to Jonas mm -hmm. that told me about Avalanche back in the start of this year, because when I was developing the wallet, I was not sure about which uh, like chain to deploy over it. Mm -hmm. We talked about Ethereum, but Ethereum was impossible to build over it. We thought about like all the protocols, but the thing is, we needed a subnet. I was I, I, back in December last year, I was not aware about the Avalanche protocol and the subnets. Jonas, he's uh, uh, working with Snowball right now. Uh, another shout for Jamari. I'm a big fan of you. Yeah, he was. <laughs> so big shout out for Jonas that showed me uh, the uh, avalanche and the subnets. I was astonished by it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I would like to point out that you say is about the roadmap. So AVME is a pretty big extensive project. So I'm aiming to be able to have all this uh, tech deployed by two to three years by now. But the thing is, we are not going to take this long to deploy everything because in our white paper, we'll be going from a centralized state. We'll be starting into a centralized state and going is slowly changing to a decentralized state because one of the things that we want to provide with our services is like take not VPN, for example, and the pricing. We want to be able to provide one quarter of that with high quality, because I, I run uh, like hopefully cal uh, uh, calculations about the pricing, and then we, are, we the protocol is able to do that. But in order to be able to do that, you need to kickstart the engine. Mm -hmm. So it is it needs to go to a centralized state firstly, and then go to a completely decentralized state. We are sure. aiming to have uh, like the VPN service already working and publicly for the, the people in, in a better and key one to key two of uh, next year. 
And how are you um, scaling your team and how is your roadmap? Uh, I'm sorry, without revealing too much details, obviously, um, what does your runway look like with regards to a startup? Do you guys have a decent runway or are you trying to raise capital? Um, so how are you scaling your team and then how long is your runway? So there is uh, some things being worked under the hood mm-hmm. and people will be aware of it like one for two months from now for a, pub- a public sale gotcha. but uh, it is being kept a secret and i don't want to spoil you you how it, it is going to work but the thing is i want to expand this protocol will require a lot of many uh, hours mm-hmm. and I'm looking to expand to like 10 to 20 man team. Yeah, I understand. So you're trying to grow. So you're actively hiring or is that your intention? So do you have feelers out and are you getting any reception or is this? So we are looking through some candidates right now for, especially for the mobile. Right now, if somebody, there's a lot lot of smart people who see this show, so you can put out the plug right now. What are you looking for? Uh, we are looking for C++ dev and Dart dev developers. Besides that, we are looking for someone that is uh, a professional over marketing. Why are you using Dart? Just that, I'm not a language hater. Um, I just haven't heard of anybody using Dart in two or three years. Who on your team is the Dart person? Uh, Gabriel. Gabriel got it. And so uh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. I believe that the reason that the, he using Dart is because he is able to deploy the same code over Android and iOS. I got you. Yeah. No. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I remember Dart um, being like a Google. I, I'm going to butcher it. I think it's like a language which can transpile into JavaScript. So it fell into sort of like the TypeScript, CoffeeScript, that kind of category of languages. Super high performance. Somehow leverages. If I remember correctly, the V8 engine or was inspired by the work on the V8 engine. But anyway, gotcha. Yeah, man, it's been really cool talking to you. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. It was kind of last minute. We've been tossing the idea back and forth on social media for a while. And so when you reached out to me this time, I was like, man, I can't keep giving this guy a run around. I totally want to talk to him. So let's just do it right now while I'm freed up. So I appreciate you uh, making the time very quickly and unexpectedly. You're awesome. I'm a big fan of your and your uh, team's work. I know it's a very ambitious project and having myself done a lot of startups and worked on a lot of stuff. Um, I think there's a lot of work ahead of you, but I think you guys are pretty inspired and I think you've got the vision. I think it's going to be about building the team and sort of there's a lot of um, highly technical components there. So doing them properly and like you said, being able to walk that path of going from centralized to decentralized, which is totally legit. Like I know working in the blockchain space and working in the open source space, sometimes I feel like people are reluctant to tell me their idea if it's closed source or if it's centralized but i don't judge things in that regard i think like even in the centralized state it will be open source yeah totally. but, it, but even closed source stuff doesn't totally bother me simply because everybody has to do what makes sense for their business that's really the game we're playing if you're just doing stuff for fun sure make it open source so that other people can see and play around with it But if you're doing a business, you're investing your time and your money. And if for some reason you and your people decide you want to go closed source, it might make sense for you. There's so successful closed source software. Um, You know, it might make sense for you to go from centralized to decentralized. In fact, in these decentralized ecosystems, it's very wise to, you know, take that path slowly to full decentralization because there's just a lot of complexity there yes a ton of moving pieces man if you don't think that stuff a thousand percent through in the beginning there's just a lot of ways it can go crazy and there's a lot of people in the blockchain space 
who were incredibly sharp and spend their time looking for the edge cases and the flaws in all of these new protocols. And, you know, there's always been white hat, gray hat, black hat hackers, but in the blockchain. Like, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I, I've like, have you heard, you heard about pivots? Well, no, bring me up to speed. It is uh, like a fork of Bitcoin that it is with zero coin, so mm -hmm. zero knowledge and uh, proof of stake and master nodes. Okay. So one of the things that I looked through the code, like there was, I found exploits inside the, the code, like in older versions, because like there Dash. was- Is it like Dash with zero knowledge proof or something? Like Dash for Bitcoin? Oh, yes, Pivix is a fork of Dash. The Dash is a fork of Bitcoin. Okay, so yes. it felt like Dash. I was like, oh, that's not just like Dash. So there was an exploit and it was like there. Yes, there was an exploit uh, uh, ringing out, uh, out there that was messing around the block keywords because the thing is, we think the PIVX proof of stake, the fees are burned, correct? So, uh, but was. Presumably. Yeah, I'm not yes, sure. the fees of transactions are burned. Right. So, what happens with the block reward? It was calculating with the fee. So, you could like. Uh, uh, lie the block reward to the network and break everything. I see. Yeah. So, uh, like, it was like you say that is, there is a lot of little details on the uh, blockchain protocols because it is like a missing if case that creates a whole new level of exploit. There's yeah. uh, and we're talking about value bearing assets, right? And like hackers notoriously love to get a hold of money and cash. Think about when we're talking about valuable bits. So it's always good to have your code audited. Um, we have, uh, we at Alva Labs can connect you with uh, uh, several different firms, Halborn, I believe. And um, yes, I have talked with them. Yeah, there's a couple. I wasn't just mentioning it to you if anybody's watching right now. Um, but anyway, so that's always important. Have your code audited. And take your time. Be um, paranoid. Yeah, and, and again, it's like I feel like people are used in the blockchain space. They expect things to move very fast, and things do move relatively fast. But projects should take their time and focus on what it takes to create really high-quality software instead of feeling the need to go fast because that's what people want. Because it's just worth it. And if you think about the release cycles, they're still so compressed compared to back in the day that. It's all good. All right, man. I want to say thank you so much. Um, you have an invitation anytime. If you want to come back on and plug something, reach out to me and let me know. And uh, we'll thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely chat again. Thank you so much for your um, time and your amazing work on the Avalanche Network. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around. If you made it this far, this is Gabriel Cardona. Um, I appreciate all the support lately. Been getting a lot of people just, you know, hitting uh, me up in sort of like tweet streams, mentioning us as like one of their favorite podcasts. You know, we're still obviously very new and we're still learning, but we're really uh, taking this serious and we do see a long-term vision here. And so I appreciate all the support. So we'll obviously see you on the next podcast. So as always, I want to say um, from Snowflake to Avalanche and through Consensus to the stars. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Cheers.